Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast, stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my wife with the mostest, my beautiful, beautiful wife. Her name is? Just Jen. Oh, yes. (laughs) Another day in the pandemic. I know it's still happening. Yeah, it's still happening. I would, I had hoped that it would not be happening, but uh, the good news is, guess what? What? We are hawkers of hope. We are originators of optimism. We are purveyors of positivity. We are engineers of encouragement. During the pandemic, we are doing our best to get hope out there. Well, wow, we're a whole lot of things. We are, and yeah. I had my coffee this morning. I guess so. <laughs> Am, am, am I blowing your hair back? Yeah. It's like that 70s rock commercial where the guy's in front of the TV and the hair's just flying in the back. No, it's feeling like a little bit of Guns N' Roses hair. Really? Yeah. A little Axl Rose going on? <laughs> You're calling me Samurai, samurai yeah, Sean? Yeah, you do have your Samurai head. Hey, listen, I've, I've uncovered something that is now going to be a mainstay for me. What's that? I've lived in Sacramento for a majority of my life. Mm-hmm. The summers in Sacramento are horrible. What do you mean for a majority? Well, not all my life. First 10 years of my life, oh, I didn't live okay. in Sacramento, right? Okay. So I, didn't, I didn't know a you. a majority. I didn't know you. <laughs> so point being that during the summer, it's like excruciatingly hot. Yes. 100 plus degrees, right? Disgusting. Right. So these cooling headbands or these cooling towels, basically. Like Dr. Cool? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, People may not know what that means. I'm not trying to be cool. It's just that's what they're you called. You are trying Doc- to be cool. Dr. Cool or Cool Core or something like that. Anyway, they changed their name. But um, you wet them. Okay. And then you stretch it. And then, yeah. you, and then you put it on your And Oh, my gosh. It, like, brings me down, like, 10 degrees. Really? Feels like, yeah. Better than a hat. Because okay. I like wearing hats. But hats in the summertime, like, they make your head hot. You sweat. Right? Mm-hmm. So better than a hat in that regard because it's it's cooling and it lets the air escape. And I guess I look like Samurai Sean. <laughs> well, it's funny because I love hats. We all yeah. know that. Yeah, but yeah. I as do I. Like when we're active, you always wear sunglasses. Yeah. And I don't because I don't like the feeling of it being dark when I'm running. Really? Yeah. So I always wear a hat and I never have a problem with a hot head. Really? Yeah. It's, Maybe it's just in my mind. Yeah. But you, because you always wear your sunglasses, it's kind of hard to wear hats sometimes with sunglasses. Like they mm-hmm. don't fit unless you wear your snapback backwards. I've, ever since I was a kid, you know, like yeah. 20 years old, I've been wearing sunglasses. Yeah. And that's I think why you that have zero wrinkles. I, well, I think that's part of the reason I don't squint. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, because I'm always wearing sunglasses. Like if I'm outside and it's at all sunny, mm-hmm. I've got sunglasses on. Well, if I'm outside, I have my sunglasses on too. Just like when I'm running though, I don't like the sweat and I just want my face clear so I can see yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for today's show. We've got a fascinating interview mm-hmm. with Mary Catherine Morales. Okay. I'm going to get to her in just a second. But excited to talk with her about life, about her life, and about what she's doing to help empower women moving forward. So... We'll get that in just a second, but I think it's actually, actually joke time. Oh. It's joke time. Joke time. I shall go first. Okay. Okay. You do it. Now, this is, this is something special. This is actually a listener sent in joke. What? Yes. Who sent it? Uh, my mom. Oh, it's not a food joke. No. Okay. It's not a food joke. So you, are you ready though? Like I'm, you gotta, I'm ready. You got to be ready. because I'm this, ready. You know, we're coming in hot here. Okay. This is, this is a good one. What kind of shoes do toads wear? Mm, flippers? No. Slippers? No. Frogs? No. Froggers? No. Toadsters? No. Tadpoles? No. Good guesses, though. Wow. I don't know. Open-toed shoes. Oh, I was going to say Crocs. Open-toed. That's cute. That's a cute one. I thought that was a cute one, too. Yeah. There you go, Mom. Love you. Thank you for the submission of our joke. (laughs) My joke. Yes. All right. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready for mine. 
Okay, so this joke is for Gavin because he edits our shows and I have to keep him laughing. Yes. Because editing is very boring. Yes. Okay, so are you ready? I'm ready. Ready World and Gavin? Yep. What do you call a shoe that's made out of a banana? Mm, A break your neck shoe? (laughs) A slipper. <laughs> we kind of, that was actually cute. We had both uh, shoe jokes. We did. Yeah. Well, it's nice for you to have not a... Well, that was kind of a food and a shoe joke. It well, was both. I don't normally do shoe jokes. I always do food jokes. Yes. So So banana being part of it, it, <laughs> it, it, it was still a food joke. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. All right, Jen, let me tell you about our guest. I'm excited to have... Mary Catherine Morales on the show. She's got a website called womanofprinciple.com, and she wrote a book called Becoming Woman of Principle, Transforming Your Mind, Living Courageously, and Rising to Your Call. I'm excited to talk with her because she's been through some challenges in her life, and it's those challenges and those whispers from God Mm -hmm. that really transformed her life. I think sometimes it wasn't a whisper. Sometimes it was like this booming voice, but I can't wait to, to hear her story. I've heard a little bit about it, but I, I want to unpack it. So you ready to call her? I am ready. Let's get her on the line okay. right now. All right. I've got Mary Catherine Morales on the line. Welcome to the show, Mary Catherine. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. How are you? Uh, we are also <laughs> amazing, living our best uh, lives right now during the pandemic. We are in the sunshine state of California. It's sunshine, 81 degrees, I think is the yeah. headline for today. So uh, we're, we're, we're doing great. How about yourself? How's the weather out there in West Palm Beach? Well, typically I would say that we are in beautiful Palm Beach County, West Palm Beach in particular. But today we have lots of rain and uh, clouds, but typically... It's a beautiful, sunny day here in uh, West Palm. Hey, here's what I know. It takes the rain to see the flowers, right? <laughs> yes, it does. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. You know, I've, I've talked with you offline about your story and about your book and about your life. And I, I got to tell you, both Jen and I are eager and excited to unpack your story. We think it's a story of hope. We think it's a story of redemption. And uh, we think it's a story about God as well. And so, you know, we'll let you uh, we'll let you start it off, but maybe you can shed some light on uh, your life and maybe the path that you chose that ended up taking you down a path of hardship and trial and tribulation. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So um, I, I just want to say thank you both so much because I think more uh, now than ever before, people are looking for hope. Mm-hmm. I think people want to know that there's hope beyond their immediate circumstances, whether that's COVID-19 or they're facing a health challenge. And so I really appreciate you um, inviting me into Hope Radio um, because that's my thing. I'm all about, <laughs> I'm all about, I'm a hope junkie and I am really all about transformation, but I'm married. I, I have a, an amazing husband named Al. We have a 26 year old daughter named Mia and we now have a life beyond our wildest dreams. We, we are married. We both have careers that we love and friends that we spend a lot of time with. But, you know, my life wasn't always so cherry, so to speak. I've had a blessed life through all of it. I'll say that. And my, I can honestly say that since I was a very young girl, I know that I've had a love affair with, with God. Mm-hmm. Like in every turn, every twist of my life, which we'll get into in a minute. It's one of those things where when you look through the rearview mirror of your life, you realize that for me... I'm a Jesus girl. I, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I look back in my life and the power of God was, was with me all along. But my life didn't always look so amazing. I'll tell you a little bit about me and my story. Beautiful, young, all-American little girl, kind of dreams the size of Texas. Um, Those are I big dreams. Up, was, <laughs> yeah. Or the size of California, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's big in Texas. Uh, <laughs> and maybe bigger in California. Yeah. I don't know. 
but I was deaf as a little girl. Um, and, you know, that was the first March challenge of my life. And it was the first time I really remember as a human being, as a child of God, as a little girl, feeling like I didn't fit in. And it was really my second grade teacher that called home and said, you know what? Mary Catherine actually isn't disobedient. She just can't hear me. And that set me on um, a, a journey where lots of surgeries, doctor's appointments, and I was legally deaf until I was uh, 13 years old. So how did you, did you overcome that? Was it, was, the, did the surgeries take care of it? Was it like a cochlear implant? Like, how did you, how did you, because obviously you sound great, you hear great now, and so how, what changed? Well, it was a series of um, really intense allergies that would clog up my canals and my ears, and I just, I couldn't hear. So I was diagnosed as legally deaf learned some sign language and just had really intense uh, allergies and reactions to food in my environment that took away my hearing. And it wasn't until I was 13 years old where finally I had outgrown it. And I remember my doctor, Dr. Diamond said, you know what, MK, Mary Catherine, you don't have to come back anymore. Your hearing has been restored. And I remember also feeling freedom for the first time when I was kind of set free from that physical um, ailment, so to speak. But the reason why that's really important and the reason I share it is that during that time frame, I created a story of not good enough. Um, I began to compare myself to other young women I began to feel alone and concerned and I became very competitive in sports as a way to kind of overcome those feelings. And it was in those moments, I love to tell the story. I actually have had three very distinct kind of encounters with the Holy Spirit. And I know that sounds a little weird um, to some people, but let me explain. I was 14, which me, so I had just overcome that really severe hearing impairment and I was outside and I remember hearing very strongly kind of this voice in my head that said you know Mary Catherine you're gonna you're gonna write a book and I was like really where did that come from you know <laughs> it kind of I felt like it just came out of nowhere and so I hopped up and I ran inside and there were no such thing as computers back then so I grabbed my red spiral notebook and I had a favorite writing pencil and I wrote two paragraphs. I knew it would be a love story, but I distinctly remember looking at the page thinking, I don't know anything about love. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and I want, so, be, before you move on, I just, I just want to, I, I don't want to miss this opportunity because I, I, I like to share this. I think you're right. A lot of people don't understand that when, when you hear something from God, typically it's like deep down in the spirit. Like it's, it comes from nowhere and it doesn't leave you. It's right. like just this, you agree, Jen? Like yeah, it, it just, sure. it, it enters your head and it's kind of like, like you said, like, where did that come from? Right. Sometimes it can be random. Sometimes it can be an answer to a question you're asking yourself, but it's just this strong feeling inside mm -hmm. and this resonance, this, this, this feeling it's in your own voice or it's just the idea this whatever but it like it doesn't leave you and it's taken me a lot of time and a lot of years and a lot of experience to actually get comfortable and familiar with that right. but I think you know for the benefit of our listeners you know that's what you felt you're going to write this book like it, it out of nowhere in your head you can't get rid yeah, of it like, where did that come from yeah exactly yeah. that's a that's a true <laughs> sign of you know the Holy Spirit and God trying to talk to you that's right and it's almost like who said that yeah you know yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah we know, so we know all forward. about that. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> yes. And it does. I think, you know, Sean, you're right. It, it leaves or it left um, an impression on my heart. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, I, can, I can, I can see that. And, and I've, I've had that too. And so I'm sure some people that are listening have, have had it as well, but you know, if you're not, mm-hmm. if you're not used to talking in that way or mm-hmm. used to talking to people that have had that experience, it's hard to, it's hard to describe. Well, I think most people think that God's going to be knocking on the door and be like, hello. And it's loud and clear. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like that. Yeah. Or, you know, they hear well, God spoke this to me. Like right. I, I've said that, right. you know, myself, but like the, the implication to somebody that's not very spiritual is that like there was this loud, booming, audible mm-hmm. voice that, you know, came into my head somehow yeah. from someplace else. You could else. be like listening to a song. You could be just driving in your car and all of a sudden you get these overwhelming goosebumps and you just know that his presence is yeah. right there. Yeah. So it's not, yeah. it's not a knock on the door. <laughs> At least I haven't had that yet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So you were told you're going to write a book at 13 and it just left this impression on you. So that, that, that was the first time or was that the second time? That was actually the first time. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, I, I've got this amazing family, two parents that loved my brother and loved, you know, Johnny and I very much. And so my life was quite good, you know, through high school, you know, some typical challenges, but the second time I felt like this, I heard this very loud, very profound calling to be an author was in the middle of a really terrible um, drug addiction and some alcoholism with it. So I really had gone from, if you can picture in your mind, fun-loving, athletic, long, blonde, curly hair, petite, cheerleader, high-energy kind of person. Um to a woman uh, just shy of about 30 years old who um, had become alone and recluse in some ways. And my addiction was winning and it was getting uh, the best of me. And one day, again, I was living with my parents and they have this beautiful piece of property out on a, a riverside. And this was many years ago, and he was out cutting the lawn at the far end of the property. And as an addict, anybody who's listening who could relate, you know that even though you don't want to pick up that next drink, that next drug, you you are compelled. It's almost like you're on automatic. And so I shifted from the window to a closet uh, to kind of reach in for my drug of choice. And... I began crying to God for help. I was like, man, really? Like, dude, this is terrible. I, you know, I love you. I've been, I've believed in you since I was a little girl. And this is it for me. Like this stinks. Yeah. Like, you, like, like I, you were mad. Were you mad? Like, was it that, that kind of a conversation? Like, you, you know, I've been following you. I've been, you know, loving you, et cetera. And here I am a drug addicted, you know, down and out reclusive. You, was it kind of one of those experiences? Is that what you meant by? Oh. You, yeah. Yes. I mean, heartbroken, mad. Um, and it makes me almost tear up now. Heartbroken really is at the root of that because I didn't want that. I, I wanted more for my life. I wanted more for my relationships with you know, my girlfriends and my parents and the person um, that I had been dating at the time. And I just couldn't help myself. So I I started saying, look, I'll take anything other than addiction and substance use disorder. Um, And I started naming off all these other diseases. And it was in that moment that I felt hope for the first time. And I, I literally heard, again, kind of that loud knowingness that said, Mary Catherine, uh, this is your cross. You'll bear it. You'll overcome it. And that's not how I spoke at all. Trust me. <laughs> 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 and you're going to write a book about the journey through hell to home. That's awesome. And that was, that that must have uh, that must have given you chills, all kinds of feels, all kinds of overwhelm, all kinds of yeah. just a flood would, of emotion. That would have stressed Actually, me out. I would have been stressed. I'd be like, I'm writing a book. Oh my gosh! 
Well, and then it's so funny because it really did stress me out. I was like, uh, no, yeah. no, no, I'm not writing a book because again, you know, going back to, you know, being deaf as a little girl, like I created this story, which was not based on truth mm-hmm. that I was not worthy, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't tall enough, pretty enough, smart enough. And so at that moment, when my higher power, the spirit of love said, you know, you're going to tell the whole world about this journey. I was like, uh, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> like, no. I think Sean and I have had those conversations with God before we're, where we'll get a calling to do something. And we're like, nope, you're clearly not speaking to me. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I'm not hearing someone- that. <laughs> yeah. So you we kind of look over your shoulder yeah. and say, is there someone standing behind me? Exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially the big, the big, the big things, you know, like the hard things. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, like for me, the, you know, the, the selling of my practice. So I was a financial advisor for 22 Mm -hmm. years and, you know, I, I had a successful practice. I used to be on radio here in Sacramento for nine years and had a one hour show I do on the weekends. And, and so, I mean, it really helped to provide a great, life for us, but it was killing me. Yeah. It was literally mm-hmm. killing me. The responsibility, Jen thinks I, I cared too much, but this responsibility of, of caring for somebody's, you know, 40 years worth of work and retirement and all that other stuff, it just, I, I owned it mm-hmm. too much. It was like a huge, huge mm-hmm. burden, like a, like a huge weight. And I remember, you know, Jen talks about the, the smallest of things. I remember being at a, um, like a uh, restaurant mm-hmm. and I think it was a, a Chinese food, whatever they give you the fortune cookies. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got this fortune cookie <laughs> and maybe it was at Disneyland. I think it was maybe at Disneyland during the, the, in the food court there on California oh, adventure. Yeah. And I, you know, had one of those, one of those, um, uh, that's where it was. It was at California adventure at that Chinese place yes. where they give you the, and cookies. I got a fortune cookie yes. and, it, and it, and it basically said to me, all good things must come to an end. And it was like, the, and I, and I, in my spirit, I felt like God was telling me it was about the business. It mm-hmm. was about my radio show. It was mm-hmm. about the, you know, and like, I, I immediately connected with it yeah. and it would not leave yeah. like the connection between what that thing said and what I felt like God was trying to tell me. And it was overwhelming to me mm-hmm. in the moment because I'd spent 20 plus years building this thing, 20 plus years creating oh. this financial services practice. And I felt like God was calling me to leave. And, you know, eventually I I did. And I, you know, I told Jen, I said, I got to get out. I'm I'm selling this thing. She's like, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no flipping clue what I'm going to do. Absolutely (laughs) none. But I trust God and I feel like he's calling me to, 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 to leave. And so I understand, you know, like it can be very foreboding when you get those, those, those words, those that yeah. that drop, and it sets in your spirit, and you can't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's scary. Yeah, <laughs> that's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. It, and you're so right. It doesn't have to be about an addiction, right? And and it can be about walking away from a career, or selling a business that you love, or. Um, you know, taking a trip overseas that you you feel like you're called to, you know, go to another country to serve on a mission trip or something. I mean, I think those moments, um, those encounters with the spirit of love come in so many different ways. And what I've learned in that moment, and that really catapulted me um, forward, I, I don't have a perfect story after that. But I think what I walked away with knowing in that moment um, at, in the same way that you knew that you and Jen weren't alone when you got that message yeah. is that we're not alone. Like I hear you. I see you. I know you're in trouble. I know you feel alone and like you're in pain, but I know you're there. Yeah. And some people right now, you know, are wondering like, where's God, right? So um, I began to activate the the principle of hope there and began to take a series of steps over a number of years to really overcome not just the chemical addiction, which was hard, but 
all of those limiting beliefs I believed about myself. You know, um, you know that I think that this mm-hmm. is this is a, a great place to to kind of unpack a little bit more because I I read in your book intro about this and it was something that I connected to and it's been it's been a particular conscious thought process for me in the last two or three years so much so that I've been repeating it to my family and and uh, happy to say that my oldest son is now starting to repeat it back to me and other people but it's this <laughs> it's this concept of um, how powerful words are and specifically the words that we speak to ourselves and over our own circumstances and over our our bodies and our mind and our health and and our future and and it's just this this concept of how powerful words can be and negative words um, are equally as powerful as positive words and and it's it's yeah. been one of those things that I react to viscerally now when I hear somebody say well my life sucks or you know I I, I can never win or you know that like these just these defeated you know statements about themselves like like it it makes me jump out of my skin and want to grab them and say don't ever say that about yourself don't ever you know so much so that I correct my kids all the time on things that they say I'm not good at this well why don't you say you know I'm striving to be better at this it's a, just a different way to say it and so it's 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 how sometimes kids and young adolescents speak to themselves and I think that your journey if I understand you correctly really began the negative side of your journey began with the diagnosis of being deaf because you felt like you were less than you didn't fit in and 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 at a time where it's really formative you know the first five years of your life to be told that you're deaf or you have some sort of hearing impairment and then from five to ten to have that settle in and to have kids look at you differently to have yourself feel different that starts you down a path of i'm not good enough you know, and then you, I, I think it's easy to reinforce that with other yeah. people saying stuff to you or are you internalizing that, right? Right. You well, you just are kind of like, I'm just different. And so, yeah. That's and in a time where different isn't cool yeah. and different isn't good yeah. and different isn't what you want to be. Yeah. You want to be like everybody okay. else. So now all I want to be yeah. is different. <laughs> we, we try to be different. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Diversity. And, you know, one of my favorite things that totally aligns with what you and Jen are saying is what we say to ourselves once or a thousand times quietly or out loud begins to manifest. Mm-hmm. Totally believe life. that. Totally Absolutely. believe and, that. Yes. Yep. And to your point, you know, when I talk about this a lot in my journey from fear to faith or from self-doubt, the kind of moments of having this supernatural wisdom by standing, learning how to stand on the bold promises of God now, it's, you know, I remember um, one of my very first assignments when I was really committed to getting well. And there are so many stories in between where we left off and where I'm at now, but I remember, um, you know, a, a mentor of mine very simply said, when when the old tape plays in your mind, because you're talking about our thoughts, our words, and our actions, which is a super powerful formula for either success or failure. She said, every time an old thought process comes up, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, you know, whatever that is for us and your audience, you've got to replace it with a positive mantra like a holy scripture or something that really resonates. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know? Yes. That (laughs) was my very first one. Yes. I love that one. Yes. 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 Those, those affirmations of, of power and those affirmations of a brighter future. I, I, I love that. I agree with that. Like you, you gotta, it's this idea of, of changing the way you say things. Some things you can say so differently, but the difference makes everything, you know, it's that uh, I'm not good enough. Well, I, I could be better. I'm going to challenge myself to become better. It's a completely different way of saying something, but one is more reinforcing to the negative and one is more open to the positive. Absolutely. Um, have you heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf? No. So Jen, you got to get this book. She is a woman of faith. Um, she's a neuroscientist, communication pathologist. She travels the world and 
what you're saying, Sean, is what made me think of Dr. Leaf is um, what she's been able to prove over the 30 years in her practice is exactly what you're saying is that hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is not like, oh, my God, I hope I get that big promotion or I hope I go on our my husband and I go to Utah next year for snow skiing again. Science now is proving and what she teaches is that hope is actually an activity of the mind that has the ability to achieve, maintain and determine your state of mind, your well-being, body, mind, and spirit, and it actually changes the neural pathways of your physical brain. And so, I know, right? It's crazy. I love it. Did she write a book? And yeah, I'm trying to look on it for, on Amazon. <laughs> I'm trying to Google it on Amazon right now. <laughs> I have two of her books. The one that I'm referring to, and yeah. she specifically talks about the power of hope, which I know is so important to you and Sean is um, switch on your brain. Okay. okay. Switch on your brain. Yeah. Switch on your brain. And um, when I started really researching and I don't, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not a, I'm not a trained researcher, but over the last 20 years um, and, and the last 15 in particular, I have become so curious about how, the mind, the brain, and scripture kind of all align with one another. Mm-hmm. And that combination of three has helped me to get, to create the life that I have today um, from where I was, you know, 15 years ago. So let's let's talk about that just a little bit because, you know, get, let's give our listeners some sort of an idea of how dark of a time you were in. So if you could just describe maybe the the lowest point in your journey where you just really felt like you'd hit the bottom, what was life like for you at that time? Okay, so I'm not going to cry because I think I've gotten back that point. <laughs> but I had, <laughs> I had just gotten married, had a beautiful wedding, but I was only six months sober, at six to eight months sober at the time. And the beautiful wedding, 280 people, candelabras, the lights, the dress, the music, just whatever you can think of, right? It was so, so beautiful. And the, the wait, the wait staff walked over when my husband and I were sitting at the, the front of the room. And my dad was giving a speech off to the side to my right. And he was telling funny stories about me, about my husband, Al. And the waitress walked over to me and she leaned down right in front of me. And she said, "Um, Mrs. Morales, um, I know that you wanted an alcoholic drink and a non-alcoholic beverage. The one on your left is grapefruit juice and the one on the right is champagne. And that was it for me. Mm. I could no longer hear that my dad giving his, you know, his well wishes to my new husband and I. And in my mind, because it was not, I wasn't really in, in solid in my sobriety, I picked up the champagne. Wow. And from that moment on, that was January 27th. And that led to um, ten of the tar- ten of the darkest days of my whole life, and um, living in a in a hotel and drinking and using and praying to get well, um, which led to a rehab center. And it was in that moment in the rehab center when my doctor sat me down and said, "Mary Catherine, sit your ass down in that chair." And I was like, okay. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. And you've got to listen to me because this is your last shot. And my stomach began to drop. And he said, your life is like a crystal ball. You have had amazing moments in your life. But right now, your husband is asking himself, what the hell have I gotten myself into? And he said, your life is like a crystal ball. And it has a hundred 
hairline fractures in it. He said, you have got to decide what you want your life to look like. Do you want to be a mom? Do you want to be a wife to Al? Do you want to have a career? Um, he said, because if you ever pick up a drink or a drug again, it'll be the ping in that crystal ball and your life will never look the same again. Wow. I got the goosebumps. Yeah, that's powerful. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a good message. Yeah. Words, words have power and those words had some power. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Wow. So how did so you I respond to that? my room. Yeah. Well, he said, get up, go to your room, which was a treatment room. Get on your knees and ask and, and get real with God. And that's what I did. And I, that moment, John and Jen, for some reason, changed my life forever. I could hear him. I knew he was telling me uh, the facts and that I had been given one last shot to honor the life and the love that I had been given. I got on my knees. I prayed. And I knew in that moment, I would be free. Yeah. Yeah. That's so... Like I get goosebumps thinking about that and hearing that. It's very, very similar to my own experience in 2009. You know, I, I had gone through the ringer, 2009, the Great Recession. You know, I was in the investment world. And, and long story short, in order for me to make money, people had to invest money with me. And so when the stock market had fallen 50% in six months between October of 2008 and March of 2009, it just froze people. They just, it was like chicken little, the sky's fallen. Nobody wanted to make any decisions to invest. I mean, probably very similar to what a restaurateur is probably feeling right now. You know, somebody that had a, had a business, everything's going great. And then all of a sudden the bottom falls out of nowhere. And in six months, their life is completely different. That's what happened to, to yeah. us. And the way I compensated for it at the time was to drink. You know, I was, uh, I, my favorite go-to drink was, uh, vodka and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'd get home, I'd have a, I'd make myself a lemon drop martini. I'd have one martini in the day, you know, uh, maybe wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I'd have two and it was actually an okay day. And then I'd have three and then what day, you know, it was kind of like, that's how right. I, I medicated myself. And Jim will tell you, I mean, she, she was frustrated with me at the time. She, she'd wake up to hear me what, coughing or what, what was yeah. I doing? You would literally throw up in your sleep. It yeah. was disgusting. Oh, God. It was disgusting. I would have major <laughs> conversations with him about the kids, and he would wake up and have no idea, no clue, and it just got to the point where enough is enough. Like, this is not what I yeah. signed up for either, so. Yeah, and so, I I mean, yeah. I, I just, I, I remember being in a situation where it just felt like this cascade of everything that was bad that could happen happened. My business was drying up. We didn't, you know, my, we had an adjustable rate mortgage and it just adjusted. So now that it was getting more expensive and like we were falling behind and nobody was investing money. And, you know, I just felt like this, um, like I was going down the toilet, you know, and the only thing I could do was, was go to alcohol. And so I, I remember having a conversation like you're talking about. I remember uh, just basically coming to the end of the line and basically having an honest conversation with God and say, God, I can't do this anymore. You know, you can take my life, you can take my wife, you can take my kids, you can take my business. You can like, I, I just can't, I, you know, like, I don't even want to be here right now. This is, this is where I was at. I said, God, just please you know, release me of this. And, you know, I just, I don't want to continue to live this way. And I immediately felt like this release and I felt like this feeling that it was going to be okay. And, you know, I, I remember, I remember doing that and I immediately went and had a conversation with my wife told her what had just happened and what was going on and, you know, was, was just honest about everything that was happening with me and my life and what I was worried about and what we were going through and et cetera. And I just felt like God from that moment forward just released me of that. I haven't had an alcohol since. Uh, I never went into treatment. I never, you know, like my worst craving. I mean, I was going through a 750 milliliter bottle of vodka every two days, like a big Costco Kirkland bottle every two days. And uh, didn't have any withdrawals, didn't have any of that stuff. Just He just took it from me. He just relieved me of it and set me on a path to, to recovery. <laughs> Amen that to that. So good. Yeah. yeah. So it reminds me of your story, you know. And so, so yes. let's let's. I'm not unique. 
No, <laughs> you are. You are. You are. You know. You you definitely you definitely are. But the good news is that what you're talking about, what was unique about your life, anybody can have. Anybody can have that experience. Anybody can have that encounter, and they can have it personally. You know, tailored to their situation. They just have to be open to it. So, you know, like that 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 was the depths of the challenges that you went through. That was like the bottom of the despair for you. So, how did you rise out of that? How did you How did you get from from where you were to where you are now? Well, the first time any, anyone ever asked me that question in that direct way, my uh, a very good friend of mine, he's actually been my mentor for 16 years. His name is Simon T. Bailey. And he, he said to me, you know, how did you become MK 2.0? Like, how did you, the God's love over you is so radical you know, what did you do? And I had never really thought about it in, in any particular way. Um, but, you know, I really began to sit down and think about that. And I began to realize, um, and I know this is going to sound cliche, but one of my other favorite things is what we practice, we become. And so when we look back at, you know, some of the challenges we've talked about, you know, when we practice dishonesty we become dishonest mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. you know but when we practice faith we become faithful and I really began to think about that and I, I became like I learned to put God first through meditation and prayer reading the word of God you know even though I've been reading it you know faithfully for 15 years I would say I'm way a beginner like there's still so much of scripture I, I don't know I really began to pay a lot of attention to the nuances of language, going back to what you were sharing a few moments ago, because it sounds really simple, like my thinking plus my words plus my actions equal dot, 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 right? But until I really began to transform my mind and began to challenge my limiting beliefs, I, I wasn't able to change. And so I've had a really amazing group of women around me who taught me what a woman of principle looks like. And I can close the loop with my third encounter with the spirit of God. Um, It was actually about, I want to say seven years ago ish. Simon kept saying, come on, girl, get busy. Like, what are you waiting for? You know, are you going to talk about God's radical transformations or not. But Jen, I was still too concerned about what you would think of me. Like I wasn't really attached to this bold, crazy love that God had given me. I still cared more about what people thought about me. Right. And so I still wasn't willing to say yes to what God had asked me to do. And I, it, we were, it was Mia, Al, and I, and it was 8 a.m. I remember very distinctly. We were on the west coast of Florida at a beautiful beach called Siesta Key. White sand, beautiful, you know, oceans, and it was pancake flat. I mean, like, not a ripple in the water. And I walked in, I got on my knees, and began to just pray and say, Lord, you keep talking to Simon but you haven't said a word to me. And I heard three words. I I said, God, what do you want from me? And I heard woman of principle. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Chills, chills, chills. I got chill bumps again. Wow. And and again, that isn't how I spoke. Like I had never said the words woman of principle, like collectively in a sentence ever before. Right. (laughs) You clearly know that is coming from him. Yes, it was. Yeah. And so then I just, you know, Sean, to kind of answer your question, I I just had, I I began this kind of pursuit of what does it mean? Taking it into prayer and meditation, doing some research. And as I began to understand who she is or what she might look like, I began to implement the five practices that are in my book that I talk about. And those five practices fundamentally changed my life. 
So let's let's talk about that just for a second. So what is the title of your book? And then maybe you can overview those five practices so that people can have a little bit of a preview of what they uh, might be reading in your book. Sure. So it's called The Becoming Woman of Principle and Transforming Your Mind, Living Courageously, and Rising to Your Call. And the book is really divided into three sections. I kind of think it's more of like a workbook or like a book you kind of carry with you on a plane and keep reading it. Um, The first part is the journey through hell to home or from fear to faith, um, which helps us to kind of transform our thinking in our mind. The second part is really about living courageously. And the third piece is rising to your call. So. The five practices um, and the way I write the book is you'll notice that everything is done in ING, right? Mm -hmm. We are becoming, we are living, we are rising, we are transforming because I think there's a perception that we do it once and then we master it. So I think the ING, the becoming process is really a transcendent, eternal, lifelong process. It's like, yeah, it's like the Um, adage, the journey instead of the destination. It's not a destination. It is a journey. It's a, it's an always evolving, ever changing journey. Yes. Yes. And I think that makes it really fun too, right? Because I'm a typical type A. I don't know if you can relate, but like, I want God to (laughs) lay out the whole plan. (laughs) It's like, all right, I'm going to go see Jen and Sean in California. I need to know every highway, every turn. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. Jen, yeah. Jen and I are fierce Type A drivers. Get yes. get get stuff done. Yeah. She's a planner. I'm a winger. <laughs> you know, sometimes that creates conflict. Is there a song about that. It should be. It should Jeez. be a country. Yeah, it should yeah. be a country song. Yeah. She's a planner. I'm a winger. Good thing you're not a swinger. <laughs> we just came true. up with our Amen first song. Yeah. Good thing you're not a swinger. Yeah. I literally just ordered your book and I, oh, good. it's not going to be delivered until July 31st. So you must be like really popular. Uh, I'm like, what? I have, Amazon, really slow. I have Amazon Prime. Why am I not getting it tomorrow? But yeah, July 31st oh. is the earliest I can get your book. So I'm excited about it. It's, it's God's work. Um, you know, the, again, the five practices are things like becoming beautifully transparent through the practice of honesty mm-hmm. and God gets the glory with all of this or becoming wise through the practice of putting God first, mm-hmm. you know, that we, and the way we talk about it in the book is that in my own experience in my entire life, so we, the way we talk about the distinction between the practice and the principle is that um, practices in many cases are based on belief systems, right? So I think we would all agree that being honest is probably really important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very important. But, <laughs> but what I think happens and what I've noticed in my own journey and working with other women is that. Jen, can I use you as an example? Absolutely. Okay. So Jen and I are in a conversation and my belief system says I should be honest with Jen because she is an amazing woman of God. She's, you know, got this great family and career. And I know that she and I have a great friendship. But even though I value honesty, if I have a limiting belief system that shows up in the conversation between Jen and I, my faulty belief system might say something like, well, I can't be honest with Jen because mm-hmm. fill in the blank. Yeah. She won't understand. She'll judge me, you know. Um, so I compromise my honesty because I think something else is more important than being honest at that time. But here's the miracle. When transparency, which is the principle behind the practice of honesty, when transparency becomes my guide, so your principles guide your behaviors, not your belief systems. So when I say to myself, I'm going to be as transparent with Jen as possible because that's the principle that guides my life, then I become courageous enough, bold enough to 
to learn the tools to practice honesty with Jen and in all of my affairs. That's great. Yeah. And I, I, I could, I could see that Jen, I think struggles with that to some degree. She cares more about what people that she doesn't even know thinks than I do. Like that doesn't even come into my head, but I think it comes into your head a lot more often. Like you're, you're concerned about, you know, people that you don't even know what they might think about you or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. And I think it's just because they don't know me. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so like people who actually do know me, I don't care what they think because they know me and I am who I am. But yeah, it's the people who don't even give you a chance to get to know you that yeah. I think you. That's right. Yeah. I think you're most And then about. you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, think about, don't you, I mean, in some ways we live in a superficial world where, you know, everyone that shows up on a magazine cover, a television show, a movie is like picture perfect. Right. Right. Of course. Um, so, girl, you are not alone. I am right there. I am. I am at the table with you. Right on. What are we eating? Yes. <laughs> well, knowing you and your amazing lifestyle, I'm going to go with the kale salad. Oh I don't know what you're man! Having, I, you know what's funny is like when you were describing your wedding. I the only thing I was thinking about because you're like, okay, the the candles and all this stuff, and I'm like, I wonder what the cake looked like. <laughs> that's that's what was in my head Jen, the whole time. Jen is a total foodie. Like it, she she wakes she she goes through the day. She wakes up. She looks at pictures of food. She thinks about what food she's going to eat. She plans her meals, yeah. and then when she's got idle time, she watches TV shows about food. She works out watching f- shows about food. The Zumba's great adventure oh, his, Netflix his show. Great dessert show. Great dessert that. show. You know, it, it helps me work uh, out really hard. She looks the way she does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, it's like, I'm going to eat that brownie, but yeah. then I'm running up the mountain. But I, totally yeah, exactly. It. But I do eat a kale salad every single day. So you pegged me right. <laughs> so you I'm know curi- what I mean, I know you. See, you do know me. <laughs> so I'm curious, Mary Catherine, you know, given what you've, what you've been through and what you've seen and what you've witnessed you know, I imagine that gives you a lot of confidence about the future. I feel, I, you know, like I sense that you're in such a, a, a much better place. And I guess the, the question that I would have is, I'm sure there's somebody that's listening right now that is on the opposite side, that is where you were 15 years ago, that is overwhelmed, uncertain, fearful, unhappy. Maybe they're looking at alcohol as the answer. Maybe they're going to drugs. Maybe maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, yeah, who knows? But it, it, just imagine a scenario where somebody is closer to the bottom of their life and potential than the top. And I guess the question would be, is somebody that's been there, what would you say to them right now? What would you say to them right now if they're fearful, they're worried, they're worried about the pandemic, they're worried about what's going to happen, they're worried about the uncertainty? What What would you say? Well, I have goosebumps right now because I I know right now that the the overwhelm, the uncertain, the concern is, I know there's someone listening to the three of us who's in that place. And so I would say, Beautiful lady, honorable man, you are not alone. I know you feel alone. I know that the world would say you can't count on anyone, that you are in it alone. But let me remind you, you are not alone. God loves you. Uh, There are people right now within reach that will love you and believe in you and help you find your way. And that and I I wish I could remember it exactly, but I talk about this, you know, even in the book is that um, the bottom, if you're in that place right now and you feel like it just cannot get any worse, let me tell you that that is the springboard to miracles. Like we, we can get through this. And so I want to encourage you to hold on uh, to believe for one more day and God has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And there are people and tools uh, to help you recover one day at a time because we serve a God of transformations. And it may take days, weeks, months, or even years in my case, because I'm a slow learner. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but he is faithful. 
And, and that's what I would say is don't give up, hold on, hang in there, um, and make a call to get the help you need today because yeah. you're worth it. Yeah. Well, yeah. well said, you know, it just w- well said. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's funny when you were recounting that, you know, earlier in this year, I came face to face with somebody that was in that kind of a situation. Jen and I live by the Forest Hill Bridge in California, and it's the tallest bridge in California. It's the third tallest bridge in the country. And it sits at, I want to say right at 800, 850 feet uh, tall and it's literally about five miles away from our house. We have to drive across it every single day that we that we come into town and and it's unfortunately become a mecca for people that want to commit suicide. And uh, I think there's been almost a hundred uh, jumpers that have jumped off the bridge since it was built. And so uh, we just finished our trail run, just finished our workout, driving back into town, and uh, all of a sudden I see this car that's in front of me pull over. I see this, uh, I pass it. It's like right in the middle of the bridge. Like, why are you pulling over in the middle of the bridge? And I wasn't really understanding what was happening at the time. But I look in my rearview mirror as I pass it. I see this girl jump out of the driver's side door, leap over the barrier that prevents cars from the, the sidewalk of the bridge, jump onto the sidewalk, then jump onto the railing of the bridge and go over the railing. And wow. I was like, like I'm all of this is happening in slow motion. So I meet, I get to the end of the bridge. I pull over. I don't even say anything to Jen. She's like, what's going on? I jump out of the car and I just start running back. And uh, I mean, this bridge is like three quarters yeah, of a mile long or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it took me a, a few minutes to get out there, but like <laughs> by the time I get out there, there'd already been a sheriff that had stopped and then another woman that had stopped. And I could tell that they were talking to this this person. And so I get close enough to realize that there's a set of hands. All I see is fingers and hands wrapped around the bars. And I can tell because of my vantage point, I couldn't see who it was, but I knew somebody was on the other side of the bars. You know, somebody's about ready to jump. And so uh, she wasn't wanting to hear what, what these, the officer and this other woman were, were saying to her. And so she moved my direction without knowing that she was coming my direction. And then she moved far enough that I could actually get a glimpse of her. And she was probably in her early twenties, you know, and as soon as I locked eyes on her, I said, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Don't do this. You don't want to do this. And it led to, you know, probably a 10 or 15 minute conversation. She didn't want to hear anything from the sheriff's officer or the other woman. She told him to shut the F up. And, you know, all she was doing was listening to me at the time. And I just kept saying, God has a plan for your life. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. You don't want to do this. You know, I know you're hurting. I know there's pain. And she told me, I just want to be with my dad. You know, and I said, oh, well, I'm a dad myself. I got four kids and this, this is, he would wow. not want you to do this. He would not want oh you to be with him this way. Right he would Ooh. not like, and, and it was just, it was probably one of the most powerful God moment encounters mm-hmm. that I've had. She yeah. ended up um, climbing back over the fence and uh, coming on to, onto our side and she didn't jump. And, and I ended up having to drive her car mm-hmm. over the bridge and park it. And the sheriff's office, yeah, I mean, it was like this big, to do for the morning. But mm-hmm. like the reality of it was, is that all I kept saying was God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You don't want to do this. You know, mm-hmm. this is, you, 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 wow. you just do not want to, to do this. And so I think that that's an echoing of what you're saying. Like if you're listening right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your trial or tribulation, no matter whether it's drug addiction, failed marriage, infidelity, business loss, bankruptcy, whatever it is, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. You know, he loves you. He has a plan for your life. Better days are ahead. You just got to believe that. Faith is belief without knowing. And you just got to move forward and believe that God has a plan for your life and better days are ahead. Yes. Amen. Wow. That is a powerful story. And I love how you broke it down. So simple. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. He's used to living with me. He has to keep everything real simple. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you ever- <laughs> down to our jokes in the, in the beginning of the show. Like I cannot handle the complex jokes. Just- if, there, if there's five different ways you can take the joke, it's going to put her on tilt. Yeah. She's not going to understand <laughs> it. She's going to try to in- interpret which of the five ways it was supposed to be funny. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, the punchline just oh, falls flat. <laughs> I'm like, it was too long. I stopped listening a long time ago. 
<laughs> You're like, land the plane. Yes. Land the plane. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> my husband tells me that, babe, what's the point? <laughs> I'm like, do you want to hear this story? <laughs> just tell me the ending. That's awesome. <laughs> Come on, babe, just land the plane. <laughs> yeah. Mary Catherine, <laughs> this has been this has been awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. I mean, Thank you've you. just been a wonderful guest and, and great kernels of wisdom in there. Great, great message. And I'm just so happy that uh, God has used you in this way um, at this time for this message and, you know, got you to do something you never thought you'd ever do, write the book. And, um, you know, I, I just know your message is going to touch somebody's life. And so just thank you. Thank you for, for having the courage to come on. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for your message and thank you for sharing some of your life story. Well, I have to say I, I've had a blast. I have my laugh for the week, so I appreciate that. Yay. And <laughs> and it's been my pleasure. You know, my commitment, my purpose is just to be as transparent as possible. So like the woman on the bridge that you were talking about knows that she's not alone. Yeah. And um, we, got, we got this. We're going to get through this together. And hope is a superpower. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah, I, love that. I love that. Hope is a superpower. We're going to have to so start saying that. That's you. awesome. Yeah. Right for Mary Catherine. I'm going to give you the kudos. If I, you know, yeah. if and when I say it, I'm going to say hope is a superpower right there. MK. <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. Yes. Well, thank you both so much. And, um, I can't wait to, if I can ever be of service again, let me know. And thank you for the good work that you're doing in the world. Thank um, you. it's making a difference. Yeah. Oh, we so appreciate much. that. All right, Jim, what'd you think of our interview with Mary Catherine? I absolutely love her. She is awesome. She's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the best laugh. I loved her laugh. I loved her energy and I loved her story. I mean, I just love it when people overcome significant challenges in their life. And certainly, you know, substance abuse, alcoholism, some of the things that we say to ourselves in our mind, you know, those are big challenges. And Mm -hmm. so the fact that she not only overcame those, but had these whispers from God along the way, like you're going to write this book, you're going to write a book, what, me? (laughs) You know, I love that. Like sometimes we get those messages and you're like, no, hey, it's like the, you're looking back this way. You're looking back. It's like when somebody that at yeah. Disneyland and they're waving and yeah. what you don't know is there's somebody behind you and you think they're waving at you and then you look around, you know, it's like, who, me? I always just wave, even if they're not waving to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, oh, they weren't waving to me, but hi. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I totally like those whispers, those, you know, sometimes you just don't want to listen and sometimes me personally am like, I know you're not talking to me. And sometimes I don't listen. (laughs) Just being honest, because I'm like, nah, I don't really feel like forgiving that person today. I know you're not telling me to forgive that person because they know. Shocker. As your husband? Yeah. You not listening? Are you kidding me? Yeah. That never happens. Uh, It's pretty, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm <laughs> you 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 I'm are all, the best. You yeah. are you are you are I'm strong. Stubborn. You are stubborn. You are strong willed. I think I argue with God. You do. <laughs> and right. guess what? You're not alone. Yeah, I think I'm, a lot I'm of sure do. all of us have, and I'm sure Mary Catherine had her. Right you know, arguments as well. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the most important thing is she may have argued, she may have relented, she may have been like nervous or concerned about what was going to happen. But guess what? She marshaled through, she did what she said she was going to do, and she did what God asked her to do. She certainly did. I like that. I love it. Yeah. All right. So great story. Thank you so much, Mary Catherine. I wish you all the best with your book and uh, can't wait to to talk with you more. I can't wait to read the book. I know, like you've ordered it. So we're going to get it soon, as soon as Amazon can ship it. Yes. All right. So how do people connect with us? If they like the show, how, how can they find more of us? Well, you can tune in on iHeartRadio. Yes. iTunes. Yes. Uh, Spotify. Yes. SoundCloud. Yes. I, I Google Play. I Google. Yeah, I Google. <laughs> I do Google a lot. Yeah, on all, pretty much on all the platforms that you might be a podcast aficionado. Yeah. You can find us there. We're and everywhere. So if you want to listen to us, just tune into something and we're there. And if they want to see us on social media, where do they go? We are on social media on Instagram and Facebook, both at Hope Radio Podcast. Love it. Connect with us there. You know, follow us, subscribe, 
Give us five-star reviews. Yes. We only accept five stars. And we are looking for more awesome Hope Radio podcast interviews and guests. Do you have a hope story? Are you hope-filled? Can you encourage and hope-fill others with your story? We want to know. Yeah, All you got to do is send us a a message, send us an email, give us a call, whatever way you can do that. I'm sure people can find us. We would love to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Love to do an interview. Yeah. Do more of these. Yes. Should we do more? We should always do more. Should we do do another Hope Radio podcast? Yes. Should we do another one tomorrow? If you can do more, you do more. Let's do more.